We got this showcases individuals and organizations that create people-focused workplace cultures to help it become the norm rather than the exception. It's something that will require a mindset shift and probably not something that any of us can do alone. But together, together, we got this. That was fun. I've really enjoyed yet again being on, on Product Beats. I love talking to yourselves, uh, all your all the people that listen to, to the show. It's been absolutely amazing. Love the after talk and I thought it would be a good idea to get you on to my podcast so we can have an after after uh, talk for for the show because i'd love to get your views for people who are tuning in basically what we just done with with petra i was a guest on the product beats show everything dedicated about product and petra is the product thinker product the uh, kind of product host with solpagoni and product beats basically anything to do with product if you got any questions Petra is the person to ask. And on the show, which will I'll link in the show notes somewhere that you can watch that talk, it was about building teams and the versatility that we need. And we, but we often forget that everybody brings something different to, to the table, to our teams. And it's not just relevant for product managers, for product teams, for any teams that we build. I'm a big believer that everybody brings something different. It's about us as leaders molding all that together to try and get that balance of what is good and what is what's not useful what the team needs based on the circumstances and so that's kind of what I, I, I used a lot of sports analogies uh, in that talk again highly recommend that you uh, have a look but Petra I'd love to get some of your views on the the talk that we've just had maybe but also kind of around the versatility in product teams how important do you think that is the versatility or what i thought about your talk the, the versatility I'll, I'll get the <laughs> feedback about the talk later but the versatility in kind of your experience that what what kind of what's your take on that how does it look in the product world in the product world i think i think so i we work a lot in in big complex organization where we actually are building solutions uh, so there has to be like an a big number of teams contributing to this solution. That's kind of our niche, high tech B2B, and they tend to be big. So when we, talk, when we talk about team, I think there will be different teams. You want your majority of your work to be done by kind of like end-to-end -end team, where you have as few interfaces as possible and you can deliver value in these. But then there are going to be other teams, more complex teams, like maybe you work in the platform or in subdomains or something where you are going to have to handle more in interfaces uh, than in the other teams. So, so I see that there are different types of teams, just mm. to make it harder for you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you've, you've asked me some questions, tough questions, and uh, your guests asked me some tough questions there as well. Some of them were philosophical. We went that route about the balance, whether you need one or do you, do you create one? And kind of my answer to that was, yes, sort of, you need to strive for that. We went more down the philosophical river of entropy and chaos. That's also part of it, is how much you, you create that environment. But keen with kind of seeing it, hopefully, from, from what you've been noticing in the, in the teams that you work with, is when building product teams on a kind of smaller level, smaller products to kind of company-wide initiatives, where do kind of organizations go wrong? What's often missing, do you think, in how our teams are put together or maybe the mentality of, of, of the teams, the mindsets around them? Where do you think things start going south or they don't kind of connect? One thing uh, actually that we see a lot, and that I also mentioned it already, that it is this interface thing, right? Because what's driving the complexity for teams are usually the number of interfaces that they have to manage to other parts of the organization or other teams. 
so that's a big thing where companies can go that they're actually creating these teams uh, with too many interfaces. And then another thing, if we look inside the team, then uh, what you do wrong when you're inside. And we also touched on this in the product beats, like a common mistake is this. You were talking about it like a salesperson who's the star seller, but really create a toxic environment and not to deal with those early uh, can actually ruin teams quite fast. Uh, and it can be, take a long time to rebuild uh, because of, you know, it takes time to build trust uh, in people. So that's my two things then, interfaces and not dealing with people creating toxic environments. Yeah, definitely about the toxic environments, because we, we did mention that as well, is that sometimes you don't might, might not have the time or the energy to deal with that. So there's other priorities to, to deal with a toxic mm-hmm. environment or, or an issue, whatever that might be that's impacting the team. But sooner or later, we'll catch up with you. You sweep it under the carpet. Yeah fine okay might be there but the more you sweep stuff over the bigger it's going to get and you will trip over it sooner or later right and that's kind of the reality of it so it's about tackling that i, I actually often see that with startups small organizations that have a great uh, culture to begin with but then as they expand as they grow as they scale things start going south because more layers are introduced and people are further removed the people you know the founders are further removed from what's going on and that's scaling the is, is important to get that foundation right as you so that when you scale, you still have that because that will often disappear. And that's kind of more difficult. So it's easier to address things on a, on a smaller level, thinking big, rather than when you're big, addressing the fundamental levels, the yeah. fundamental things that you, you didn't put in motion. And I think that's kind of uh, important. So interfaces, what is it about the interfaces that you think, either, do you think that we don't have enough of them? Is it uh, the quality of the interfaces that then maybe, I don't know, the process and maybe they're too kind of too corporate, too, too stiff? What is it about them? What do you reckon? I really recommend this book then. It was also in the chat on the product base, but Team Topologies by Matt Skeleton. Mm-hmm. It's a great book talking about Conway's law, you know, that your architecture is going to reflect your organization and vice versa. Uh, and I think this interface thing is, it's a very human thing. So how many humans can we relate to? How many of these relationships can we manage? And if you have a team with too many dependencies and too many interfaces, you can't build those relationships. And so again, I think it's a really human, it's more like how we are as humans. And then when you have this cross dependencies and all of this, you don't get uh, enough out of it because you don't have that capacity as a human being. So I think it's that that simple in a sense. That's the thing. A lot of this stuff is simple when we talk about it. Mm. Even some of the, the stuff that I've mentioned in the talk by general talk about, I often feel like I'm telling people how to suck eggs, so being very, very yeah. basic. Yeah. But, the, the, but that's the thing. It's the basics that are so important, but we so mm. often either neglect, ignore, forget about, or don't deal with because they are, mm. although they might be simple, they are a little bit difficult because, well, not a little bit, they are difficult because some, often you have to get in touch with some emotions, some feelings, some uh, kind of difficult stuff for you to 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 accept and 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 share basically that vulnerability that we also mentioned and how often do you see because we've got obviously product teams and we've got teams in general in organizations and each team or each function of a of a of a team has potentially their different agenda and their different approach to how they do things i often see there's a there's a disconnect between that you know, how they do things, what they believe in. And that's kind of their own, their own, they're looking after their own world, which in a sense is good, but then that doesn't take into consideration how it fits in with the other teams. Have you, have you noticed that as well? 
Yes, uh, definitely. And for me, it's I like that, though, that the teams are different, that they can find their own way. But then you really have to clearly define, you know, the interaction points and what's what does this team have to produce for others? But I, I kind of like the idea that uh, you, you set the teams free a bit. <laughs> Uh, because they are not all the same because they're going to be different participants in the team. And, and that means that they need to work a bit differently. But don't you find that they often pull in different directions? Because if they're pulling in the same direction, I'm, I'm with you. I fully agree with that. But I often find that they actually pull in different directions. So they, are, they look after themselves, but in a slightly unhealthy, selfish way that is not taking other teams into consideration and causing that gap between the teams. What, what, what do you do then? How do you make them aligned in, mm. so that they go in and pull in the same direction? They keep their identity as a team, but they take others into consideration. So that's something that often actually lands on the product manager then, because for me, it's about, and you talked about this when you're scaling up startups, that we're talking about the foundation. So we have to be very clear on what we are achieving, you know, what are the goals or the strategy or the vision or, you know, where are we heading? And this you have to do every day all the time in everything you say, you know, because it's, it's so easy to just take a different route, you know, go somewhere else. And it might not even be evil. It might just be that they're thinking that this is better. And maybe it is better if you only look at this team, but if you look at the bigger picture, uh, it's going to go a little bit slower, etc. but we will reach, a, we will deliver a much higher value if we do it together, but then you need to be there every day and, you know, talk about that. Absolutely. I think we often get caught in the trap that we want things to happen. We want that pill that will fix and make the headache go away. We'll do one workshop on purpose on alignment and we're happy for the next 12 months. No, that's not the reality, I'm afraid. It's a good starting point, but the fact is it's about getting a little bit deeper and it's showing up every day, chipping in, chipping away bit by bit and, and striving towards that. Actually, it just I just remembered the the other talk that I did for you a few months ago, I think it was earlier in earlier this year, about the tough behaviors that we were talked about yeah. in terms of, you know, we all have the easy to like behaviors like tolerance for failure, encouraging mm. people to experiment and so on and so forth. But those tend to be slogans that mean very very little and actually not that productive it's far more important to have them but have a counterbalance that if you've got a tolerance for for failure you've got potentially intolerance for not being kind of in, for failure of incompetence it's basically that so you, people learn from what they do and having that counterbalance for to, to have these tougher discussions and i wonder what the role of how the project man uh, product manager is plays into all of of that in kind of facilitating those behaviors kind of that they want the team to have to be able to kind of complete the product project successfully to kind of move things forward and grow the team how on the kind of soft skill side and that behavioral side how how do you see the role of the product manager I think the the role of the product manager is vital. And I'm going to quote my grandmother, which I do a lot, by the way. Uh, she's from Finland and she she grew up, you know, in Karelan. It's on the border to Russia during the war. So, you know, she's a tough, uh, tough woman. And she's always telling me, you know, and she's always lecturing me on different things. Always, you know, she's like 91 and she's still lecturing me. Uh, and anyway, she keeps telling me, you know, Petra, the only person that you can ever change is yourself. And I think that's like, I mean, it's also simple, so stupid, like, okay, of course, the only person I can change is myself. So if you need to change a team or the behavior, etc., you have to, you know, act like that. 
you have to carry this message you have to not tolerate or you know let know so there is like there are no shortcuts if you're a leader and a product manager is always a leader it's like an influential leader very rarely a manager you're gonna need to start with yourself and it's when we coach product managers, it's, a, it's silly things like how you talk, how you phrase, what words are you using? They mean a lot more than you think. A lot more. If we're going to go from being, you know, internal looking to be external and put the customer uh, first, you has to, you in everything you say have to start with the customer. Because it's like a transition, a journey. It's going to take time. You're going to have to be aware of all of these small things. I agree with your grandmother. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, she's been she's been around for long enough to 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 still have the right to to lecture you and many many people for sure. But it actually, reminded me. I don't know who this quote is from. Is it? I think is it Nelson Mandela or Gandhi? Um, be the change that you want to see. And exactly. I think that just reminded me of that. And I think that that is that is spot on. It's that how the energy that you bring to the room is probably the most important thing that you can use as as a tool to influence the people uh, around you uh, not to manipulate because i think that's that's the difference because often a lot of people kind of uh, have certain behaviors to manipulate other people to have a certain outcome that's not that's not the point we're, we're talking about on honesty here transparency and, and being who you are to to get the best out of people because the what gets the best out of you won't get the best out of uh, other people and i think uh, that is equally uh, important the the role of the product manager so you mentioned that you give them uh, tips on kind of how you communicate the signals that you that they send and so on and so forth product managers often don't have people directly reporting to them they mm -hmm. they they are leaders they're the kind of the, the leads on the team on the on the product but not in the directly reporting way so they're not responsible for the people's development and a lot of people then feel that they don't have the right to say or do certain things because you know they, they don't because it, it's they're not their manager how do how can people tackle that how how do you kind of potentially coach do you do you deal with that mindset that belief quite often in in the work that you do or not yeah so far that means that the most important tool for a product manager is communication <laughs> that is the tool that we can use to lead others so it's important for product management to to hone this skill of communication and then we don't talk about creating PowerPoints. <laughs> we talk about this, building your character, you know, leading your narrative, you know, and, and we are, as product managers, we're also different. So we are going to be different. Some of us are going to, you know, build up our story with numbers and facts and that we know. And some of us are going to build it up by being inspirational and visionary, etc. So we are going to be and do this differently. But this is the main tool as a product manager. <laughs> And, and it, you know, all these sales tools and models and help you can get as a salesperson, read that if you're a product manager, because it's a lot about internal selling. You, and why couldn't you use these? You know, of course, it's the same. You have to sell your idea, pitch your product, use the, these techniques. They are old. They've been around for ages. They work because we're human. So... <laughs> And I think that's the that's the bit we forget. We're human at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, every day, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, and even when you sleep, of course, you're you're human, and we 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 forget that. I don't know. Maybe somebody plugs into charge like a Tesla Tesla car. I don't yeah, know. I maybe, gonna... maybe there. Maybe maybe robots are among us already, and we don't even know that. God God knows. Because that's something that I do often. That I do often see people have that mindset. You know, they're they're not the manager. How do they do? How do, how did they do that? You know, they that they don't feel that they've got that 
PowerPoint, as you said, and I think that's an important thing, uh, which brings me on to another, another related point in terms of not being that PowerPoint, because I see more and more organizations moving to a self-organizing model where they remove, ma remove managers in traditional sense. And I've, I've seen that in a, in a couple of industries, tech industries, IT industries in general, or digital, maybe I should say to, to phrase it better. Have you noticed that shift yet in, in product management where organizations are moving to a self-organized model that people manage their own work and kind of own their own individual entities? They have managers in a, in a new kind of more coaching supportive role. Is that what you is that what you've noticed as well around the in the product sphere? We have definitely noticed this, this shift, even though it's kind of slow and it's early to self-organizing teams that I have seen now at several, several places, but I have not. And the, and the managers are then, uh, and they have already, I think in many companies taken on a more coaching uh, role, helping to build the teams, you know, and the way we're supposed to work, etc. But I also think I mean, I actually love managers and I think I have been the most successful as a product person when I worked with really great managers because I hate being a manager and I hate having that responsibility for the full picture of a person and so that, you know, all the, how do they have it at home? Do they have alcohol problems? Are they going to be burned out? Are they, I mean, there are a lot of aspects that, the, that a good manager is dealing with that I as a product person don't have to. And I don't want to. So, <laughs> so I think I don't know how it's working then. Who's going to take that responsibility if the managers are out? This comes back to uh, strength-based psychology. Mm -hmm. You work with your strengths, what, you, what you're good at. Mm -hmm. And you recognize what, you, what you're good at and what you maybe not so good at, at the very least, what you don't enjoy doing. I think that's an important realization for a lot of people to be able to find themselves better in that workplace. Because we talk about organizations and how the organization needs to create a better environment. Yes. But I think it's half the job. It's you need to make you meet in the middle. It's not that it's all the organization that needs they, they need to do all the heavy lifting. No, it's the individuals that need to put in the shift as well. That's really, really important. Uh, but do you think that self-organizing model, that self-organizing teams is something that will work for product teams? And is the product manager then that person who is that glue? Is that person in the middle holding all together, taking on that coaching supportive role and not a to-do list manager? And, and, I, so we, ha I have seen this now in different... So actually, the first time I saw this uh, was uh, on YouTube <laughs> about a Swedish bank who did this transformation and they did it um, using self-organizing teams. And they, But the, the, what they did is they assigned product owners uh, or product managers, I don't remember, but they had like a product person uh, and this product person was then responsible for a product that they had to pitch and then the teams or people were signing up to be part of their team. So they had the product in place and the product person, and then the rest were like signing up. I want to work on this. I want, And that's kind of what you hear that Spotify tried to do as well. Uh, so then there was really the product person who was responsible for selling, you know, pitching their product to make sure that we could build a team around it. Uh, and they had like a gallery because they were doing this all at once so they were no they didn't do all at once they started with like four products or something like that and then they had a gallery where they put up these four where they were pitching them and i don't think they actually knew who was the product person because they wanted to have it not people they i don't know if that's right or wrong but you know so they were kind of pitching their product ideas and then people were just putting their names on post-its this is the team that i want to sign up for 
But then we did this, uh, I did this, uh, I've been part of doing this at another company as well. Uh, and then they was done the other way around, actually, because then it was, they got bigger responsibility, uh, more products with the same number of people. And they were like, okay, we're going to have to redo this. So instead of having product teams that, as they had, they had like one product team for one product. They now had more products than teams. So they decided we're going to instead use end-to-end teams. So we're going to create end-to-end teams who can work in any of these products and we want them to be at the same level. That's kind of a decision they took. We want them to be the same level. So not one team that is more experts than the other. And then they actually let the manager run the whole process. So then it was the manager who was running the process of, you know, anchoring this with the people. We're going to do self-organizing team. Don't be terrified. You know, this is going to happen. And actually running the workshops and making sure that after the teams were organized, you know, meeting with everyone, coaching them, you know, catching them in this and holding them a little bit in the journey. So I was truly amazed by this manager. She did a fantastic job. And the product manager for these products, he was like, he was scared <laughs> but he was not involved in in the creation of the intern teams so so it, so it can work and i'm glad i'm glad to hear that because okay. I've, I've i've come across it um a number of times now now, I've had a guest on, on this podcast, Luca Kite from Redico, a digital a- SEO agency in the UK. And they've gone through that. And inadvertently, they've become that. They've set out to do to improve their culture. And it turned out that they've moved into being a self-organizing team and, and grew, I think, from 15 or 16 people to nearly 40. It's not just that growth. It's, they became one of the best workplaces in the UK. I think the fourth best place in 2020 and fourth or fifth in, in the UK again in 2021. So the results are there. And it does work. It does work, but you just need the right, uh, right people, right teams, because that's the reality. Uh, self-organizing teams, uh, or leading, or giving people autonomy, giving people independence, is not for everybody. And that's what I think we need to recognize a, a lot more: is that everybody might have a slightly different need for for the support that they get, or might move, be moved into a different role, do a different team where things are done in in something where in a, in a way that suits them better. But self-organizing teams, I know there's a high turnover that will always happen that would that we kind of need to contend with. But for the long term, that's kind of where. Well, it's useful. Petra, it's been an absolute joy having having a chat with you. I didn't ask you the, the, my first usual question that I always start with all my guests, but I'll ask it now. And that is a bit more personal. We always, I use it as an ice, uh, icebreaker, and that is to find out what you wanted to be when you grew up when you were little. What was that dream uh, job that, that you really wanted to do when you grew up? That's so funny because I get this question and I don't remember what I wanted to be when I grew up. I only remember this when I was in in high school so i was pretty old like 15 or something uh, i was doing an intern at uh, at uh, like a big swedish clothes company <laughs> on the floor you know selling clothes and that was the worst job i ever had you know i hated that job so badly because oh, you had like the, the pe- they were like selling winter clothes the kids were screaming the parents were stressed the other people working there no one wanted to work there it was like a horrible place and i was just like i'm never ever in my entire life gonna work here so that I, I know where I don't want to work. And, and I have a very strong, I remember I write, wrote an essay about it. We had to do it. And I was like so furious when I wrote this essay. It was like a lot of anger. And I got an A on the essay because it was so emotional. 
So you really, that's when the best writing comes out is yeah. when you share really kind of poor yeah. what's going on in your head. Sometimes it's difficult to phrase, but it's, it's raw. It's, it's human. It's real, right? When you try and edit it, it doesn't come out the same way. I'm, I'm glad you, you've discovered that because it, knowing what we want is often about knowing what we don't want. That's, that's something that is also important. And I'm completely with you. I, one of the reasons I asked this question is because I find I'm in a similar position. I actually took me a while to remember what I wanted to be when I was little and I I just reached out to my family my, my parents my sister and and it kind of came back to me and obviously as a boy the tr- traditional fireman uh, with fireman. a fire truck putting yeah. out fires and policemen all that that's the traditional apparently the fire truck was a, was a big thing but the other thing that at one point happened was that I wanted to have shop a, a stand on a food market selling things oh. uh, which it's quite interesting because I do have that entrepreneurial mindset, that spirit kind of, I want to, you know, build stuff and, and, and share with other people, give it to other people. And that's kind of always been part of the career that I've had. So it's it's an interesting journey. And the, what I like about this question is makes people think and make that connection between what they wanted to be and what they are now. And more often than not, there is a connection, not a direct one. Hardly ever do people do exactly that thing, but there is the kind of the reason why they wanted to do that, help people, uh, be around people or, or things like that. It transfers to building teams, to being heads of people and culture departments and so on and so forth, that kind of service attitude. And it's quite a delivering joy to people. I think one of my favorite ones, I had two guests in a row who said that they wanted to be ice cream truck drivers. And I went, Amazing. And we, when we picked it apart, it, it boiled down to the fact that they genuinely love to spread joy and make people happy. And that's what, for me, that's what ice creams do yeah. when people have ice cream. Usually a sunny, gorgeous day, people are in good, good spirits, good moods, and they've got an ice cream. And I think that's that, that connection. Anything that you've got going on in the next couple of months, any projects, anything exciting that, you, that you're working on that you and where people could potentially follow that and learn from the work that you do? We do a lot of exciting things, actually. So we have a very busy fall. I think for me, one of the most exciting things coming up to recent or soon, I mean, is uh, actually I'm going to be the keynote speaker at the design and verification conference on system on ship. And this is kind of my background. So it's like going back to my roots because I have a PhD in electronic system design and I worked at these companies and this, it's these companies, you know, it's my old world that is kind of, I'm going back into my old world. <laughs> and that's, uh, it's so funny, actually. I really look forward to that. Amazing. When, when yeah. is that and where, where people can f- potentially find out more, register to kind of, to, to listen to that? It's, uh, it's 26 and 27 of October. It's called uh, DVCon, then Design uh, Verification conference it's usually in munich but because of corona now then it's going to be digital which means that more people can can join and it's going to be a lot about research and insights in in system on ship design <laughs> brilliant uh, well I'll, I'll get the link of you uh, in a little yeah. while and we'll include in the show notes for people to register i think it's going to be amazing there and it, it's worth it's 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 useful to go back to the roots uh, to see how things have changed and potentially how far we've come from where, where we used to be uh, and maybe what, what else we can learn or revisit in that i think it's amazing so listen um Thank you very much for for coming on to the after after talk. Thank you for having me uh, on uh, your show today, and we'll include the links to to all those talks in in the show notes as well, so for people to, who can uh, check that out as well as the resources that we were share there. Petra, thank you very much. It was great having you. Thank you, Lech. It was great uh, being on your podcast. <laughs> 
It's me again. Just one more thing before you take off. Head over to human.pm forward slash we got this. That's all one word where you can find this and previous episodes show notes, suggest a guest or topic, ask a question or join the community of other listeners. Until next time.